Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview. And it is actually, because it is, uh, I've given it a little bit of a break uh, due to circumstances. I haven't had an interview for a week now and I feel sort of, Hmm, hmm. some empty space there hmm. need to fill that with some really 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 cool people and i have today is just the perfect day for that because i've got Dai manuel Dai is a uh, a man who's a champion of change and he is a dad he's dating his wife he is a man who lives very intentionally and who tries to live a life that's worthwhile living and that in its own right is one of the most beautiful challenges. I've only come around to that, that kind of style of living eight years ago. Here's a man, however, who is, is maybe a little bit longer on the path. And I want to, I want to figure out how the hell do you become a champion of change? So welcome to the show. Daimanuel. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure, you know, and I know we've been playing a little bit of tag and I've had yeah. to reschedule a couple of times and I'm just like, but I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, as we were saying before we even hit record today, you know, is I just really appreciate creators like yourself that are also well facilitating safe spaces for these types of conversations to happen, you uh, know, and because I, I think we need more of that, you know, because all of us have great stories. I mean, yeah. there's always a lot of drama in them and there's a lot of change and, and change of perspective, but more importantly, that that internal change that we all tend to go through when we get through that really hard stuff. Mm. And uh Anyways, but, I'm just I'm just excited to be here. You know, thank you. Oh no, absolutely! It's an honor for me to have you, Di. It is you just said it so beautifully. There is change, and there's change of perspective. Mm -hmm. So, and that change of perspective often leads to the change in ourselves, and that is the, mm -hmm. the weird, strange thing, isn't it? We are it we are sometimes so engrossed just, guys before we just started here in this in the, the recording uh die asked me hey how was your week been and i said well i might as well be on, honest and it was actually a shit start of the week and uh, and there was some negative news that that really brought me down and set me in a quick downward spiral spin to to the the kind of pity party kind of thing mm -hmm. um and then having slept on things and regrouping in the cold light of day i realized actually the bad news is not so bad after all so what happened there i changed my perspective and just looking at things differently i changed my life by actually not writing the email that i then forever will regret or you know all those kind of things so it's cool so there's already one big key message to take home guys it's all up to you how you how you you get to something how to how to to negotiate the the punches that life throws at you but I have to said, say, Stefan, I, uh, I, I, just real quickly there, just to yeah. acknowledge you, I mean, just the fact that you just reminded all of us that idea of, you know, as challenging as things can be in the moment when it first happens, we first learn of whatever that thing is that's challenging us emotionally, physically, spiritually, intellectually, like whatever, right? Like it, it, 
you taking the space for yourself to even sleep on it one extra night, you know, because how many of us have done the impulsive email or the text message or, you know, like when we're in it, right? When you're heated and you're triggered, it's like, (laughs) you know, like, and then we end up doing something that we regret. And so I I just want to applaud you. Thanks for the reminder, because that that little extra space, even that one extra night, right? Mm. To to look at things with fresh eyes, the new morning, and, and, you know, usually Mm. by then, hopefully the emotions have simmered down a little bit, right? Right? So, exactly. Anyways, thanks I for mean, how, the example. No, I mean, uh, I'm a hothead. I mean, please, I have to admit that there's, there's and I was the worst, especially when I was drinking. My God, I had a, a hair trigger. But what about you? Are you a hothead? I. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you like this example. I, I, I'm. I can be bombastic. And <laughs> what I mean by bombastic is it, it's like, it's amazing. I have a lot, I have a very high tolerance, except for when it comes to incompetence <laughs> and ignorance. Like, it's amazing how quickly my patience evaporates when I encounter these types of situations where I'm just like, did you really just say that loud? <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's most, but also, you know, in my background uh, with, with some of the businesses I've operated, I've had some larger teams to, to, to really manage and support and, and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of training because we, we know we, we, we to increase people's base knowledge and skills. It, it takes teaching, right. And, and mentorship and, and support, but there comes a point where, you know, if you've had to say the same thing to somebody two, three, four times, and it's just not sticking, it's like, that's where I get a little bit impatient. Okay. I'll be honest. <laughs> and, uh, and it's unfortunate because the people that are closest to me seem to have the shortest fuses. And and I think that's, we all sort of face that, you know, it's often our family members that often get the best of us, but can also get the worst of us really quickly because we're so comfortable with them that sometimes that wall is very short, <laughs> you know, so we can get over it pretty quick. And, uh, and I've tried to be really mindful, especially the last decade of, of trying to elongate the fuse or not light it at all, especially when it comes to family and the people that are closest to me, because that, that always makes me feel the most um regretful you know is when i i get to that place especially with people i really really care about because i'm like why would i treat them like that as my wife says would you treat your best friend the way you just treated us and to be fair no i wouldn't and and she's also my wife's awesome right she'd be like oh what if we had a 24 7 you know literally a, a camera crew following us around like a reality show would you be acting the way that you're acting right now you know like it's just those little little subtle qu- questions right like you just put your frame of mind in that it's like no if i'm honest i wouldn't be acting like that if i had cameras on me right now would i be doing what i'm doing no of course not and and so it's that little self-check that sometimes is all what we need to have a quick reset and a, a shift of perspective very very fast right now that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I I throw you a counter argument because for us it's a little in my my relationship my with my gorgeous wife it's a bit other way around. Um, often enough, Lisa uh, is doesn't show her nicest side. Let's put it like that. And she says, "Look, I've got this pent up pent up frustration sitting in me, and you are the safest person that I can vent to. Mm. And sometimes it's just that I need to get this aggression out. And yes, maybe I'm focusing it on you, but I love you. And then you think, oh, fuck, what do you do with that? And it's just, uh, uh, and I've, 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 I've taken to accept 
like that. Uh, at least when I'm strong, I have no problem with that. I just look at her and think, that's not really what, what is going on, darling. Tell me the truth. And then she comes oh. up with really what is bothering her rather than if I, I don't know what I did wrong, quotation mark, in that moment in time when she felt safe to actually let her her aggression out. So it's it's a bizarre a bizarre tango that is sometimes being performed in which you are being let more often than you're the leader. So what do you do with that? I mean, what do you do with 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 times when people go through hard times and they just need to vent? How do you deal with that? I think it's a good question. You know, I, I guess it's, I always try to put myself in that perspective, right? Like huh. when I think about times when I felt most frustrated or anxious or, or maybe overwhelmed, even depressed, you know, as, as I've dealt with a lot of these uh, mental health perspectives or challenges at, at various periods of my life, you know, and, it, and I know I'll continue to deal with those at various periods throughout the rest of my life. I mean, it's just, it's a given, right? Like we're all, we have all our highs, we have our lows and, but we have to remember we're all resilient, you know, it's in our DNA. As human beings, we are very resilient to the core. And uh, as climate change experts will maintain, we're probably too resilient at times. <laughs> Based uh, on we got 8 billion of us across the planet. Uh, um, but but we have to remember, we're, we're capable to, to live through hard things. However, you know, however, there, there is that internal perspective that ultimately is in my opinion, the most important perspective, you know, our perspective ourselves that, and, and our own worldview is shifted or, or tainted or tinted, you know, through that worldview. And, uh, but I know that the people that are closest to me, there's times, right, Stefan, where, where we get upset and we do want to share that to get it out of us. Because if we just pent it up and hold on to it, I've been there before. You know, and and that is my default. I am naturally introverted, but I choose to work as an extrovert. Um, but but because I'm naturally introverted, I I don't share a lot about that stuff. You know, and and that was something that was modeled to me from my father and other men in my family and life. And you know, so it's it's something I'm fighting against, right? I'm trying to rewire myself to to be more open, to be more vulnerable, to be allowed to share a bit more openly, so I don't get to that place. Uh, where I'm like going to blow a fuse, you know, and, and lose it because I hate it when I get there. I just feel like I've just lost control. And I'm like, I'm better than that. I don't need to do that. Like, because really sometimes, especially when it's the smallest of things, right, Stefan, when it's the smallest of things that set you off, it's like, oh boy, I need a break. You know, <laughs> I need to do something. I need my own internal intervention right now to get myself back into a more positive place. And, exactly. Uh, so anyways, yeah. yeah no, you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But that's the, these are the skills that, that we two have finally mm -hmm. begin, began to master. Mm -hmm. We are, I've, I, I'm nowhere close to mastering. <laughs> um, what is a master of that? That would be yeah. maybe a, a, I don't no. know. Even, even I don't know. I don't know. There is someone yeah. in this world who actually has done that. So uh, because Dalai Lama, maybe, maybe, but only just <laughs> maybe. Know? I'm sure there's a dark yeah. side to him too. Okay, sure. there is. Sure. We cannot. We cannot all be uh, on this saccharine, high, beautiful, gorgeous. No, that is. Yeah. First of all, that is that is the wrong imagination. Anyhow, when we talk about calm and in ourselves, we are not talking. We are high. We're bouncing. We're cold. We're. I loved it how you put it by uh, you described yourself that you're an introvert, but you choose to work as an an extrovert. It's actually very much the same with me. I'm very happy to be alone. I'm very happy yeah. to be just 
you know, by myself, I'm quite happy. I don't need to talk, okay? Um, but uh, when it comes to performing my jobs um, my, as an anesthetist, I want to be out there at the right time and exude confidence and, and basically help others to go through a hard time. Um, surgery is a hard time. Everyone is anxious. So I choose my roles and I choose my behaviors for those. And that's nice. And, and choosing behaviors is really that. It is a choice. Yeah. So I figured out how I, who I want to be when I'm at work. What took me much longer was who I wanted to be as a man. Ah, <laughs> that, ah, was, yeah. that, was a, that was quite a story there, or a, a lengthy story, which I won't bore you with. Uh, but bottom line is, I'm only just now figuring that out. So Dai, who do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I was going to say stuff. I mean, I was like, what? You can go to school and learn how to be a man? What's up? Yeah, you know, like, exactly. where, where, where do I get that degree? Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, I can, I, I feel the same way. You know, it's, it's one of those weird things where, you know, we just grow up and we just do our best, but we end up following, you know, those that are closest to us typically that, that association, right. Those role models, if you will, that, that, enter into our lives at certain periods and not all of the time are role models positive, right? And I think we all default, oh, if you're a role model, it must be a positive influence. It's like, oh no, if I tell you a bit about my story, a lot of the people I've associated, it's not necessarily a positive influence, you know? And, and, um, but yet I role model those behaviors uh, because they were what I thought was okay. You know, and, and so that question you just asked about like, what kind of man do you want to be? Or did you think you want to be like, I'm still figuring that out, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I know for me, you know, being someone of integrity, being yes. someone that is transparent, yes. that's honest, that, that can be vulnerable yep. when it's appropriate. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not vulnerable for the, the, the shock and awe of it or to say, Hey, look at me, I'm vulnerable to deepen connections and understanding. Yep. Right. Like, that's why I want to be vulnerable is to, to allow other people to be vulnerable in return. And that's how mm -hmm. friendships are formed. That's how trust is formed. I mean, I was, people are like, Oh, why do you talk about vulnerability like that? And I'm like, well, it's just a skill like any other skill. You just got to learn how to tap into yeah. it and realize it's going to be okay, but you can't just be vulnerable with anybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody deserves our vulnerability. Like it's mm -hmm. earned, mm -hmm. you know? And but you think about any relationship we've ever had of significance, it always starts from a place of vulnerability. You know, we open up, we share a little bit about ourselves, our upbringing, our belief systems. Oh, then now they feel comfortable to share a little bit about theirs. And, mm -hmm. and then it deepens from there. And uh, I know for myself, when it comes to this question that you just asked, like, well, what kind of man did you want to grow up to be? Well, those are similar questions. I still have conversations with some other very, um, let's just say, engaged men in this conversation. You know, and that's where the power of men's groups and men's circles can really be powerful for us all because it creates a safe container for us to explore these types of conversations and see what is other people thinks. What's working for them? What's not working for them? Oh, and, and it's this collaborative journey that we're all on because we're all just trying to figure it out, you know? And uh, I mean, so what about you, Stefan? Like when you thought about the kind of man you wanted to be, like what was that? Like what were some of the highlights, some of the values that you wanted to espouse? You, you announced them in, in the same sentence as I would have used, integrity, transparency, humility, uh, because oh, yes, at, at any, at, there were many times in my life when, I, when my active behaviors were actually reflecting the exact opposite. Mm. Um, I was a man who, 
I was a man of the, the 80s. And, and I lived up to the anti-heroes uh, of that time, the, the Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, okay. uh, Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Okay, those kind of broken men, broken heroes, drinking, living hard lives kind of a thing. And I, and the, the, my stepfather or my biological father, they showed me nothing different. They, they, it is, it was all that kind of thing. So I molded my own hero in my mind and then tried to live up to it. Um, and I was very good in it. So let's give it, let's give it credit where it is. I was very good in, in not being transparent of having many women of having lots of social life quotation mark. Um, and it was what it was. Uh, it was the, the, the fun times at times, times that the darkish times, it was what it was. There was lots of trauma there. Um, that, not necessarily I was I was responsible for, but still life dished mm -hmm. it up. So I can't do anything about that. Uh, these were the influences I had. These was the development that I took. And so I, I had this energy to want to be someone mm -hmm. and I focused on it and I achieved it. I became very mm -hmm. good in it. Yeah. It's just not nowadays when I look back, it's just not the guy I want to be now. That's for sure. But I was very good in that role. I was, yeah, I was a go-getter uh, as far as that is concerned. So, good. But at some stage in your life, you have to say, well, um, what did you really do? And essentially, my behaviors were all focused on escaping my reality, escaping mm -hmm. my trauma. I was working hard, which is great as a student, which is great at school, which is great when you become an anesthetist. I was working, 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 and at crazy, crazy hours. And then I did research, and then I did that, pure workaholic. And then when I couldn't work anymore, then I, I drank to relax. Right. And that gave me a second wind. So give me two free glasses of wine, and suddenly, oh, yes, great. It's one o'clock in the morning. Let's clean up the garage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you think, oh, for fuck's sake. And then you've got two hours sleep and you go back to, to the workaholic. So there was never any time that I left myself to actually reflect, to actually think. I put myself into a hamster wheel and I pushed the fast forward button on the, on the hamster wheel. I was And it was crazy. But it was what it was. It made me a doctor. It also led to burnouts, multiple burnouts in my life. Oh, yeah. So, and we are very good in that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a man who sometimes doesn't make a mistake twice. I, I do it four or five times to just make <laughs> sure that I actually get the lesson. So, so you know, that's that's me. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh, me too. Okay, good. I'm not alone in this one, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, therefore, uh, it, that, is, that was my past. So, I, but it is, I've nowadays learned that this is a choice. This is a choice to be on that hamster wheel. And therefore I say so often, please stop, stop whatever you're doing. That's what I say to my patients. My patients, they come in, they, I'm an anesthetist. So let's say they have had their accident, their shoulder rotator cuff is done. And they are now, they are typical physically active men who define themselves with their physical abilities and now they basically have a chicken wing there and can't do a thing yeah. with it 
And I, 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 we have often these discussions about anesthesia, how we do the surgery, etc. But then I also say, hey, look, who do you want to be when you grow up? Hmm. And people often say, hey, what do you mean? I have, <laughs> your, your life is, is reset now, man. Um, for three months, you will not be working because it takes six weeks to heal the rotator cuff, six weeks to learn how to use your arm again. So three months. When was the last time you have had three months off to actually see who you are? Mm-hmm. And often enough, you see the light going on, ping. Yeah, and some people really, who, are, who are ready to hear the message. Other people, mm-hmm. no, 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 I need to work, I need to work, I need to work. And that is yeah. it. So, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. are you, what was your journey? So I've just shared a little bit of mine, okay? I show you mine, you show me yours kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so, so, come on, brother. Uh, uh, I mean, we, how did you come to that point that you wanted to be this open, honest man full of integrity? Well, you know, first of all, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, because <laughs> that's what it is, right? It, it, it's, I find it interesting, you know, this ability as men to open up, like we all have that in us. It's just, it's not done frequently because largely how we are raised and what was role model and what we believe to be okay or not. Okay. I mean, it's, there's a lot of cliches and stereotypes that we're trying to, to work past. Right. Like, like for me, it was like, men don't cry. You know, we don't emote, you know, like we, unless it's anger, <laughs> you know, it's like anger. Sure. You can show that, but anything else? No. Right. And, and and so I know because of my inability to express myself fully and, and, you know, into my teen years dealing with, I was morbidly obese as a teenager, and that created a lot of mental health challenges for myself as well as physical health. But, you know, I went through a period of change from age 16 to 18 and, and released that weight and, and developed a new lifestyle. But it took about two years to realize those changes. But still, through those changes, I was struggling, you know, mentally. And and because I still wasn't able to shake this belief that I was still that kid that was obese, that was the one that was the butt of the jokes, that was not desirable, you know. And, and I really didn't see myself as being someone of much value. And, you know, when we find ourselves in that place, it doesn't matter what age we're at. It's not a fun place to be, you know, and, and when you're coming from that place where you don't feel that there's any value, it's really to feel that you have any meaning either or purpose to life. And that in itself is also very scary because it's you have no direction at that point. You know, purpose, meaning it does give us direction. It doesn't tell us exactly where we're headed, but it at least gives us direction. You know, sort of like a North Star, right? Like it just gives us direction. Well, that's north somewhere. <laughs> you know, that way I want to go. And I find with purpose and meaning when we really feel connected with that, man, it, it's a lot easier to to just get excited and to do the right things. Right. And when so, true, right things, so true. So true. But when so, you yeah. when you were that 18 year old kid who is yeah. just transforming with all the insecurities, with all the, mm-hmm. the core beliefs that you didn't even know were laid down as a young child, the core beliefs of, you know, you probably mm-hmm. thought I will forever be fat. I will forever be oh, worthless. Absolutely. And yeah. wherever that came from. Um, but how how do you transform? How do you become this agent of change? Well, so here's the funny thing, right? So I figured out how to make those physical changes yeah. early on because I, I learned, well, if I change how I eat, 
You know, just focus on eating to thrive, not just simply survive day to day huh. and, and change sort of the quality of food and the volume of food I was eating. And, and then also just start to move my body a bit more, you know, so that was enough to start to create some very positive changes for myself, especially if I was consistent with it enough. And, you know, it's not rocket science here. I'm, I'm giving people the secret sauce here for physical change. Right. <laughs> and, but the neat thing is once you change yourselves physically, yeah. I noticed that I did start to see myself a little bit differently, but to be fair and Stefan, I'm being perfectly transparent here. You know, I, I realized that my social anxiety and, and some of those negative thoughts I had of myself, I, I wasn't working on those. Uh-huh. I was working on the outside because all I wanted and people ask me, what was your main motivation for that as a teenager? I'm like, I wanted a girlfriend, <laughs> you know, like I, I did. I wanted somebody uh-huh. to want me, you uh-huh. know, and, and uh, it, it, it's, it was, it was alcohol. Okay. I, I discovered alcohol. I got in with a, a certain group of people and I realized if I had a few drinks, all of a sudden this introverted me could become extroverted. And all of a sudden people were inviting me to do things. I had girls taking an interest in me. And for me, it was instantly, oh, it's because I'm turning into this different person when I drink. That's the person everybody wants to hang out with. And yeah. even in my TEDx talk last year, I, I refer to that person as fun guy die. Cause that was my nickname. It was fun guy die, you know, like, Oh, fun guy dies here, you know? And, and I'm a very jovial drinker. That's what I was. I was very, I was always happy. I was full of energy, full life of the party. People liked to, to, to hang out, like the party with me. And, and I became that, that was the character that I believed everybody wanted me to be not necessarily the person I wanted to be, but I was what everybody seemed to resonate with and always wanted to hang out with. And so all of a sudden I started to perceive that other person, that other version of me as the valuable version of me. That's a slippery slope, as we all know, you know, you start just, I kept drinking, you know, and that became my normal, my stress reliever. It became my, my way of dealing with my anxiety. If I want to meet new people, like, you know, like it just, even when I met my wife, it was under that pretense, let's go have a couple of drinks together, you know, and we developed that relationship. Uh, and then, you know, even while I was raising my kids up until they were four and six years old, you know, my, my drinking was progressively getting more and more intense. It wasn't just from the social side, it was now me also drinking by myself at times hmm. to relieve my stress, my anxiety. And, uh, 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 and then, you know, it gets to a place where you just, you can't live the two lives anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't live both lives. I was like, I was failing pretty large. And, uh, and that's, that was at 32, 33 years of age where I finally said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I got to make it, make some big, big changes. And the only thing that was my saving grace, Stefan, was the fact that because I had had such a significant transformation as a teenager, hmm. In, in instinctively within me, I already had a belief that I can do change. I've done it before. I should be able to do it again. You know, like, so there was that, that sort of inner belief that I think I can do this. And I wasn't hundred percent confident, of course, but I, I did believe that I could change. And, I, and that's the thing I always try to remind people is like, we've all been through hard stuff at, at certain times and we've gone through lots of changes in our lives. Like we're constantly with every breath of air that goes into our lungs, we're changing, you know, every breath of air, right? Like, I inhale some more oxygen, some more uh, cellular metabolism starts to happen. My body's changing. Cells are being dying and being replaced. You know, hair, skin and nails is growing. Like we're, we're changing all the time. But some of these psychological and emotional changes, you know, they, they might take a lifetime. Right. And, and so they're not necessarily we see them right then and there. And similar with physical changes, you know, when people put weight on, it's like if we went out for one fast food meal and all of a sudden we put on 20 pounds because of that one big Mac meal. 
I think people would choose to eat differently, but because it doesn't happen instantly uh, and it happens over a period of time, uh, people just don't really resonate or, or register that that change is happening. So um, I had the belief that I could change. Didn't make it easy by any means. And um, the only reason why this happened, Stefan, if I can be perfectly frank, like my wife asked me a question while we were discussing what life would look like for us to co-parent our kids together. Basically, we were talking about separating after 10 years uh, and because it wasn't a safe environment for my kids to be raised in anymore. And what I mean by safe, it just wasn't a supporting environment. Like, even though I was fun guy, die, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice drunk, I'm not mean. I'm not violent. I, I don't do anything along those lines. However, I wasn't present. I wasn't there. I was choosing to forego family responsibility for another drink or to hang out with the guys to go hang out on the 19th screen after a round of golf right like go watch another ufc with my buddies at the pub instead of being home with my family i was choosing alcohol over my family i was valuing that my relationship or my perception with my friends as fun guy die over family man die but i wanted to be family man die that's where all the value was. That's who, when you ask me, who did I envision myself being when I grow up? Well, I envision myself being an amazing father, being a very engaged and supporting and loving husband, being a stand-up community member, you know, being someone that could help others facilitate big changes to make life better. Mm. That's who I believed I was. And yet, every opportunity I was showing up as the fun guy died. So when we talk about cognitive dissonance, oh my gosh, I was living in this vortex of me just being like very unhappy very dissatisfied. And, and, and my wife asked me a question. And then I'd like to hear your thoughts on this question. But she asked me, Di, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, it didn't feel very nice at the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I'm perfectly frank, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I was speechless. And, and someone that's worked in sales and myself, like for about 20 years of my, my adult life, I've always been pretty good at handling objections and dealing with tough conversations. <laughs> but I had nothing, Stephen. I had nothing. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't defend myself because there was nothing to defend. She was right. <laughs> and, and that's when I knew, you know what? I got to make some changes here. I got to make some really big changes. Oh, wow. I want to meet yeah. that girl. I She's want to meet you. She's a fiery redhead. Let's put it that way. You know, like, <laughs> oh. if, if that says anything, you know? Okay. Okay. Now, hang on. Hang on. That doesn't, yeah. you don't just wake up one day with those insights. There must be her own story. And this yes. is probably the wrong place and you're the wrong man to tell her a story because every woman, yeah. hey, nay, you shut up, shut up. You can talk about anything on your shows, die, but you don't talk about me. So I'll take that for granted. Um, but but yeah. it, it takes two to tango. It takes a lot of darkness for you to desire the light so much that you actually create a change in yourself and so she must have gone through that she will have gone through her own journey there was she drinking too at that stage no she's a very like she could have a glass of wine and nurse it all night like she's never been a drinker interesting um where i am yeah. you know and and i'm also the kind of guy like i, I like the buzz uh, oh, i yeah. drink for the buzz exactly. and then i get to the buzz and then i'd always go beyond you know i wouldn't stop there i'd of go course. beyond and Same. uh so it just, yeah, it was tough, you know, yeah. and, and um, created a lot of 
big inconsistencies in my life. And, and uh, because I'm also someone that has a very well-established, let's just say persona or awareness in the health and wellness space, you know? Oh. So here I am on one side of the fence talking and supporting people with massive lifestyle, <laughs> health changes, <laughs> mindset changes. And, and so, you know, when they talk about imposter syndrome, holy smokes, oh. I always believe that my picture was in the dictionary beside that, you know, <laughs> like it's got to have me there. I've got to be the guy that they're referring to when they talk about this concept. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and that, day, that day, it was amazing. I sat her down and the kids down right after she asked me that question. And after we had a little bit more conversation and, and I made a commitment because I knew that this is going to be the last chance. This is it. This is the last chance. And believe me, my wife had given me plenty of chances. I was very good at asking for forgiveness rather than wow. begging for permission or however they say that statement. But, uh, you know, that, that was just who I was. I would just do it and then try to make up for it for the next week after the fact. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, I made a commitment to them. I said, you know, to my kids, you know, they were four and six years old at the time, my two daughters and, and Chardonnay, or sorry, Christy and I had been together for about a decade at this point. And, you know, we had this conversation. She asked me that question. I realized that if I don't make this final change now and really maintain and stick to the change, because now I was actually at a place where I wanted to make a change. Like before that, it was, you know, we always have those ideas, right? And we will have those awful nights. And you know what those are like. It starts out like a great night. And we wake up the next day and we're like, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I know it's probably something I should regret. And, well, I won't do that again. I won't drink again. I'm going to take a break from drinking now. I mean, I made myself those promises all the time. I was never serious about the commitment, yeah, about the change. And uh, so I said to my family, I was like, I'm going to go one year without any drinking. Wow. Now, my six-year-old at the time, she's looking up from the couch and she's like, okay, so no pop no juice like you know right away she's thinking like no beverages at all and i'm like no 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 adult beverages you know the adult drinks no no adult drinks and, and so oh beer and wine okay okay so once we got that clear um because that was my belief you know up to that point i had never done more than 30 days without drinking since uh-huh. the, the time i was about 17 18 years old so this is you know 15 years of my uh-huh. adult life it was a normal me drinking multiple times a week, you know, sometimes more, sometimes a little less, but that was just it. It was a habit very deeply ingrained in me. It was my way of coping with stress, anxiety, overwhelm. And I, here I am saying, I'm going to go one year, no drinking. And I got about a month in and Holy crap, it was hard. <laughs> you know, I, I realized like, you know what? I can't do this on my own. Like it's just, just me being like at this place of saying, you know what? I'm just going to stop doing it. Because I believe that, you know, at 15 years old, I was like, I want to get healthy. I was able to do those changes. And I did a lot of them on my own. So here I was believing falsely because I didn't want to tell anybody about my struggles. Sure. I was like, I'll just do it on my own. About a month in, month and a half in, I was like, I can't do this because I, I don't know how to function. I don't. In my circle of influence, those friends that were all drinkers, they didn't know how to deal with me either. Exactly. Like None of them wanted to have the conversation with me. It was, it was, it was hard. And um, thankfully for my wife, you know, I I really opened up to her and this is really the first time I was truly authentically transparent and open and honest with how I was feeling with my wife. I got to realize 10 years in our relationship, this is the first time I was really opening up, (laughs) like truly opening up. (laughs) And, and it, yes, it was cathartic. It was scary. It was a bit overwhelming, but it allowed me to start the healing process. And it allowed her to, I let her in. 
to, to truly support me. And, you know, and after that, I, I got a psychiatrist that I worked with for about three months. And I worked with a relationships counselor for about three, four months. And uh, that 12 months of that commitment to, to really just no alcohol, just work on me, figure out how to work through some of this old trauma that I obviously haven't worked through, <laughs> you know, and I got to the place at the end of the year, it was wild. Okay. It was wild because the last three or four months were a lot of fun. I was like, I wasn't even thinking about alcohol. Like it was, it was, I could get around people. They could be drinking. I had no desire. And, you know, then my wife, you know, at the end of that year, she's like, Hey, do you want to celebrate? Should we share a glass of wine, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, no, you know what? I've had so much amazing changes in one year. What if I keep going? <laughs> exactly. Like, what? Like, exactly. what if, like, what if, and, and, you know, 13 years now, you know, and, and it's been incredible because I've, I've really shifted into something completely different. I ended up leaving my industry that I was in of 17 years, you know, left that industry, went to pursue something completely different. And, and, you know, our family traveled the world for five years together, full time as a family, living in two and a half years of that in Bali, Indonesia, like, you know, I've built and launched a couple other companies and like, I just, I look at everything that we've been able to say yes to because I Absolutely. chose to say no to drinking. Absolutely. You know? And that's the powerful mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? You made that choice. Yeah. But that choice, mm -hmm. that choice, it was not just one night, I make a choice. You know what? I make a choice. No, no, it doesn't work like that. You make a choice yeah. and you, you put your first step forward. And it's typically the hardest step. And then you do another step and they're not getting much easier those steps um and there's constant new new challenges that come right. with making new choices and they can be there can be so many excuses for you to go back to the old behavior that's, that's right. uh, that the temptation was there for me for a long time but mm -hmm. i also saw the role models of people around me and i think that at the start was the biggest the biggest insight for me I, I ended up in rehab i ended up uh, as an inpatient in a rehab hospital for a month and everyone i looked at around me every person bar one or two doctors were addicts all of them had been where i had been um, most of them with alcohol many others with with different things and all of them had their their ducks in a row now and that was for me the most beautiful thing the understanding that I'm not alone. Yes. That it was, I was always thinking it's, it's, oh my God, I'm so bad. And I looked around and I saw this, this kind of happy families and I saw happy people in, uh, at least that, this, you know, it looked from the outside <laughs> and they had it all together. And, and here I am, this wrecked, this imposter, this, this, mm. I'm a doctor. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I could, the only way that I could identify myself is I'm a doctor. I'm a pain oh. physician here. Yeah, that is me. No, no, Stefan, who are you? Yeah, I told, yes. just told you, I'm a pain physician here. Oh, I worked hard. I'm working hard every day. And yeah. it is, it was so bizarre. And only then thereafter, when I actually met, started meeting people who were like me, had been in the shits, and now are actually getting their act together and living lives mm -hmm. where I think, wow, I want to have part of that life. Only then... Did I, did I actually, only then did alcohol lose its hold on me. Mm. Alcohol was at the time as important to me as breathing, as water, as food. 
it it had come to that level and it had come very early to that level because it was all this subconscious oh finally the trauma is gone hey two classes of that and the world is not as painful anymore and i can be relaxed and i can come out of my shell and it's so beautiful so that was at that level and and it that took a lot of time to actually explore that figure out what really was going on mm. i was i had to, the the huge benefit of 28 days inpatient care where i was guided towards those questions asking those questions and coming up with the answers as they were there and then for me on that day but with every new answer I wrote down or came up with in a discussion with a psychologist or so, it made me think and made me grow and made me step further. And, and I expanded. It was like, like the, the real me was like, like a bloody pee for crying out loud, completely shriveled away. And then suddenly that started to grow and it started to become bigger and stronger. And the bigger and stronger that new me got, the less there was suddenly that need for alcohol. There was still the thoughts were from now and then there because what I was, what I wanted was the quick fix, escape reality. Because me growing out of that little pea into that new man, well, guess what? That hurts. There are a lot of growing pains because now you have to face your actions that you did in the past. You actually cannot no longer drink to forget what you did when you were drinking okay so sure. yeah, totally. <laughs> there is a bit of a pitfall there so trauma oh. waiting to happen so there's the trauma from the past and there's the trauma that that is now you're growing call it growing pains okay um but it is i had the benefit of of having role models there that guided me through that and mm. that maintained the uh, I maintain, I stayed part of that tribe. And that yes. was the most beautiful thing because it was, it allowed me to stay connected, to from now and then get a call. The, the, the dudes that ran that rehabilitation hospital every morning at eight, everyone came together and he gave a pep talk. And as part of the pep talk, he, there would be all the inmates there in the rehab hospital and he would dial one of his ex-inmates. And I was on that list. So at anyone eight o'clock in the morning, there was the chance that suddenly there's phone, oh shit, guy is calling. Uh, and he puts you on the spot. Hey man, tell us what, how's your new life, etc. And there was this, this being held accountable, but in a really good way actually, because the moment that these calls came, I reflected back, shit, I was sitting in that room. I was sitting there listening to those upbeat people on the on guy's phone who are living lives, going to work, having fun without alcohol, without yeah. drugs, and seemingly living different lives. I began to yearn for that when I was in sitting in that room. And then later on, when I started giving back, in that way, I that made me grow every single time. Sometimes I felt like an imposter because I might have just yesterday thought about having a drink and had struggled maybe not drinking. And here I am, yeah, I'm living a great life. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, those times. But then again, this was all part of growing. This is all yes. part of you changing. And it is not easy. It's not cheap. 
um, because here you were, you saw a psychiatrist, you saw a psychologist. Um, you actually put your money where your mouth is. You put time for development in. So if you look at it, that's these are quite some investments, isn't it? But if you look at what I reallocated my alcohol spend to yes. my self-health and self-care, and uh, to be yep. fair, I actually saved money and spent a lot less money <laughs> you know like when i look at it especially like the, the long-term commitment to that self you know self-help self-care like just i really just took ownership of my health and my life like i mean that was really what it boiled down to i was like no i don't want this to be my normal anymore I want to redefine what normal is. I want to learn healthier ways to deal with this stress, this overwhelm, this anxiety, which can be crippling at times, uh, you know? And But the thing that really got me going, because to be fair, if I was single at that time, I don't think I would have made the change. But because I had two daughters and a beautiful, caring wife, and all of them could see in me the potential I couldn't see in myself. Yeah. And it was for that reason... I was able to maintain that commitment to myself to want to see the changes through because change is as much as when we get over on the other side, it seems very much worth the effort, but when you're going through it and you're in the eye of the storm, oh, it's shit. like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, like it's, it is, it's hard. Like rewiring the brain for change is hard. It uh -huh. takes time. It takes a lot of time. I, I get people ask me something. Well, how long does it take to change? I'm like, as long as it takes, <laughs> like, I wish I could give you a number, but there's no set number. And if you look at all the data out there and the research that people have done around change, there's no one answer. Uh, it's really based on context and on the individual and their circumstances. So it's change isn't an individual process. We all go through at various times in our life, but that's just life. I mean, like I said, we're resilient, right? We were, we're, we're born to change. <laughs> we, we are, we're born to change, right? Like, uh, that's but, but we forget uh -huh. that. We forget that. That's actually, there's this, this saying that uh, we are changing completely every seven years. And I certainly, certainly have experienced that in my life, that, that uh, fundamental things change sort of mm. around about every seven years, uh, including my tastes, including my insights. There seems to be growth spurts, uh, so to speak, happening throughout yes. my life. And you know, if you accept that, if you if you have experienced that in your own life, you see the change is there. And what if we accept that concept that change right. is normal, um, that that everything is changing our world very rapidly, our our lifestyles, our our jobs. There is no longer that I go into one job, stay in it for 50 years, get a golden yeah. watch, retire on a on a pension that suits me just fine. No, no way. So that world has gone. Um, the safe world has gone. Right now, we have never been closer to the Third World War um, than we can imagine. So there is change waiting there. So what if we're accepting change as normal and to be expected? And put ourselves into the driver's seat rather than just mm. being sort of in the back of the roller coaster going fuck where's this going here but rather to actually <laughs> say hey man 
okay, um, I can't control that wave that is pounding me from there, but I can choose, I might surf that wave, okay? The wave is yes. still there, but I can actually deal with that wave. Or I can try to dive underneath it, that I get less hammered by it. Okay, so maybe that might be a way to go. So what if you are deciding that from now on, you want to be the master of change? Oh, I what love it. exactly? So, what was what was what would you need to do to be that master? What skills do you think you would need to acquire? Could you do it alone? So, there are a few questions. What skills would you recommend someone who is actually saying, "Hey, wow, die! I've I've listened to your to your to the talk with you and Stefan, and really, I actually want to be a master of change too. How do I go about that?" What would you answer? Well, I think, you know, first of all, um, so change, you're right. It gets, it's sort of the idea of impermanence, right? Like Buddha talks about, you know, and, and also, I mean, science has told us a lot of entropy, right? Like, and, and what is that? Well, everything's constantly in a flux of change and it's energy changing, you know, and uh, really nothing ever goes away. It just huh. changes into something else. And, and it's kind of neat when you really start to, to, to accept that, because when you accept that nothing's permanent, you become a little bit more, I don't know, welcoming of change. Uh, you know, not to say that all change is welcomed, but it's not like it's a surprise when it shows up, right? It's just like, well, okay, I kind of knew that I was going to be changing eventually, you know? And But here's the thing is, is lack of clarity is often something that holds us back because when we're not clear on certain things or especially on a path or we don't have direction in our life, that's where we procrastinate. And and so we put off quitting drinking. We put off maybe changing our eating patterns. We put off changing careers. Like we put things off, even though we've identified those as things that would probably increase our sense of happiness and joy and even fulfillment with our life. But we put it off and it's usually because we don't have clarity. And I find to get clarity, we have to ask the right questions. And so when it comes to change, there's three questions that I invite everybody to put to mind, you know, to into their memory and to, to pull it out. Every time you feel like it's time to make some changes or you're feeling that need where it's like, you know what, this doesn't feel like it's the right thing for me anymore. part of the journey that I'm on, this path that I'm on, this segment of the trailhead, I need to change. Okay, here's three questions I need to answer then to figure out where am I going to change or what direction am I going to start going in now? And the first question is, can I do this? You know, like, can I actually do the change that I want to make? Like, can I? Can I do this? Like, so for me, you know, at, at, at age 15, it's like, can I actually get healthy? Me as a morbidly obese teenager dealing with asthma, sore joints, you know, I get winded tying up my shoes or going up a flight of stairs. And, you know, that's the place where I was. And at 15 years old, not having a lot of life experience at this point, and I'm like, can I actually get healthy? Like, even if I want to get healthy, I want to, I want to attract a woman. I want to feel like I've, I have value to offer. I want to feel like people want me and see the value in me. Can I actually do that? And, and it's a hard one to answer depending on what kind of change we're looking to navigate, right? And, and for myself, I had to get to a place to say, well, other people have done this. So maybe I can do it too. But you know what? I think it's just knowledge because I don't really know how to make the changes. So 
for me to get the confidence to be able to say, yes, can I change? Can I do this actual change? I have to learn and gain knowledge to understand more so the what and the how, yeah. right? And once you start to expand your knowledge and you start to see how change can be navigated for myself, I was me learning about fitness, learning about nutrition, and me really just putting into action some consistent habits that I wasn't doing before, like moving my body, like yeah. playing less video games and watching less movies and TV, yeah. you know, reduce the recreational time and change how I was eating and just keep repeating that day after day. And I think good things will happen. And it did, you know, 20 months <laughs> later, I had a new life. So I'm really sweet. So same with giving up alcohol, right? Like making those changes. Can I actually do this? I mean, I've been drinking. I've used this as my main way of dealing with stress, overwhelm, anxiety. You know, this is how I connect with people. Like, gosh, can I actually make this change? Can I give up alcohol? Like, really? Yeah. And again, it was education. It was me warming up. I went to some, some meetings, you know, I, I did check out the 12 step programs. I found some value in that. I also found some other uh, programs that I found value in and, and supported me and found a, you know, psychiatrist to help me. Like, so to get to the place of, can I do this? Mm -hmm. Knowledge. Got to gain some knowledge first. Because once you have a yes, then you go to question two. And questions two is, if I do the change that I want to do, will it actually work? <laughs> you know, like, because, you know, in the fitness space, especially that I'm, I'm very familiar with, being that I've been in the fitness industry now for, gosh, 27 years, you know, it's a long time, my entire adult life and working in that space. And, you know, a lot of people want to make those physical changes, those health changes. Yeah. And let's be fair. A lot of people start and then fall right? Like, you know, I mean, like, look at January 1st, right? Like the fitness industry, it's a heyday, right? People yeah, have New exactly. Year's resolutions. Exactly. Statistic, and statistically, by January 21st, three weeks into the new year, most people, upwards of 60 to 70% have already given up on that New Year's resolution, especially when it's a fitness related one or a health change. Yeah. That's scary. So most of us are conditioned, our normal is failing. That's our normal. I start something and I fail. I start something and then I fail. So that number two question, if I do this, because we gained the knowledge from step one, if I actually start to apply the knowledge, will this actually create the changes that I want to see for myself? Because if we can't say yes to that, it's really hard to commit to the process, to take, as you said earlier, that first step and then the next step. If we're already thinking in the back of our mind, you know, I could go through all these steps, but I don't think it's going to work. I mean, how committed are we really going to be to the path, you know, to doing what we need to do? And that's why I always tell people in step two, look for other examples of amazing people that have already navigated similar changes in their life. Because there is a process there. There is a path there that they've already walked. You know, it's not like we have to go and pull up the machete and, you know, start whacking down all the bamboo in the woods. Like, you know, like it's someone else has already started to clear away a path for us. Why don't we just emulate what they're doing? Exactly. And so that number two is like, if I do this, will it work? Well, it worked for Stefan. I saw him change his life. Oh, wow. He's had like, you know, like hundreds of guests that he's had these conversations with, and they've also gone through these changes. I can do this too. So we get, yes. Can I do it? Yes. If I do it, will it work? Yes. Now question three. Now this one's tough. Okay. And I, I always save this for the last question because it's the hardest one to answer for everybody. Number three is, is it worth it? 
Now, when I'm speaking to organizations or groups, sure, I can use the term it. But when I'm asking individuals to work through these questions themselves, you have to frame the question, am I worth it? Am I worth the change? That one's not easy to answer, is it, Seven? <laughs> like, it's not. Like, especially when we're first starting out. Like, think about it when you were at your worst, when, it, when you were drinking. You know, like, I know what I was. For me to say, am I worth it? I would have said no. No. That's exactly. Yeah. That would have been my answer. Yeah. And, and so that's why there's actually a 3B. So if you're at that place right now, for anybody that's listening or watching this, and you're at that place, you're like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm worth it. I, I'm here to tell you you are, but you don't have to take my word for it. Speak to those that love you and care for you unconditionally in your life. Because I think if you were to share with them openly the right. changes that you're feeling drawn to make in your life, they'll probably agree. They'll agree with you that, yes, you are worth these changes. And yes, we'd like to support you. And if your family or those closest friends aren't willing to do that, go find a community to belong to. Exactly. You know, because the community... Exactly. They're just further ahead on the same journey, find a community of people that are navigating similar changes. As you said before, you know, you sit in a room with a bunch of other people that are going through this kind of a change, wanting to stop drinking or stop using drugs, you know, like together collectively is way stronger than being on our own. And they can also shed a light for us on what can help and what could work. But more importantly, when we trip and we fall, like you said about your accountability calls or those check-ins, right? Like, it's like they know they've been on the same path. They've tripped before. Absolutely. They're like, hmm, I haven't heard from Stefan for a week. Absolutely. I'm going to a quick call. Let's Absolutely. just see how he's doing, right? Like, exactly. Because they'll drip into us the belief that we need until we have it for ourselves. Yeah. And then when we have it for ourselves, you know what's the next best thing to do? You go and drip into somebody else's life now. You go help somebody else navigate the change. You become the mentor, the guide. Um. The, the the person that's going to support others with the change because it's it's the best way to stay accountable to your own changes is help others now with the same change 100 and that's it that's it you do that you're gonna be a master of change or as i say a champion <laughs> of change a champion of change you know? oh beautiful it's beautiful in actual fact to a certain degree you've just described the 12-step program um from from the uh from the first realization actually yes i can no longer whatever i'm doing is not right <laughs> i need to change to yes. yes i can change okay how do i change and then finally yeah. teaching others how to change yes. now that is that is a beautiful circle that many of us have jumped into or sometimes we're pushed into, however yeah, it works. Right. It doesn't, it <laughs> we're doesn't dragged matter. into, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kicking and screaming uh, is right. some of us. But it is what it is. Uh, the, the, the problem is that sometimes it, no, there's no problem. The beautiful thing is that once you're, you've gone through that, it's you've broken the ice. You, As you, when you were 15, 16, and you changed once, you know you can change again. So therefore, yes. that is that becomes very powerful. Um, and when then there is a new problem or a new stagnation of sorts happening in your life, your your brain is already far more wired to seek answers rather yes. than yes. stick with the the same problems. Why me? Why me? It, sure. You you rather ask you rather ask yourself a more productive question. So the the how do I deal with that? What change is required 
for me to make the best out of this new challenge, this new task, this new horrible thing that I have to go through, whatever that may be. And that is a beautiful thing. It's it's the same it's the same the same thing you you begin to realize after you've been a few times to a gym, and you actually stick with it for a few weeks, and you suddenly realize that the weight that initially was you could barely lift, you're not just thinking, well, that's a bit you know that's a bit too easy, um, and it's the same when you practice actually living like the human being who you want to be. Yes. Uh, initially, it's very hard. But suddenly it gets easier and you don't realize it because it's also a gradual thing. Um, yeah. But it is a beautiful thing. And you get these realizations again and again and again. About two years ago, I had a, I had really, I struggled. I really wanted a drink. And that came out of the blue. Absolutely awful. Like in the first year of my, my sobriety. And this was now six, seven years down the line. I thought, what the fuck? So I did actually, I, 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 um, I am privileged enough to have a pool. Uh, as I jumped into my pool and recorded my feelings there and then, and actually talked to the camera after I had swam a bit. And so I said, you know, guys, here I am. I so want this drink. And so, uh, but I, I, I now go through this wave and I'm just distracting myself and talking to you guys, etc. But it is, that was that was two years ago, um, so I had the setback there, and it it reminded me on the many changes that I had been able to do. So I had managed to do it, and then it became more difficult. So only because you have you've moved forward on your path to change, you're a champion of change, and everything is fine. That does not mean to say that there will not be setbacks. There, there will not be something which you suddenly think, well, here I am, the champion of change, my ass. <laughs> yeah, so that is normal too. You will get challenged. You will get challenged in your beliefs, in your, in your, in everything you do. And it's part of growing. But is it is it worthwhile to answer your question? Hell yes. Hell yes. The the person that I am now is 10,000 times better, <laughs> at least according to my new set of values, yes. than the person that I was then. Am I perfect? Oh, hell no. Am I, <laughs> am I anywhere close to who I want to be? Nah, not really. I'm, I'm, there are days when I struggle, but uh, when even, even when I struggle, I feel that I'm doing better than most days in the past. Uh, so, okay, that's maybe not a bad, a bad realization. But it is, it is beautiful. Life is beautiful. And yes, it has challenges. But once you start navigating it with the right questions, and the questions yes. you've asked were superb, uh, then... That is a really new way of looking at your life. And it makes it easier for you to live a life that you can be proud of. Where maybe the words integrity, humility, authenticity, transparency actually mean something really for you. Not just cliche things yeah. that you sort of slap on the outside of your mask. Uh, no, no, it is... No, really, where you live by it. And integrity, should you ever think what that actually means, 
it means doing the right thing when no one is watching. And when you do that, when you find yourself doing that, and you, re- I often do something, realize, huh, you would have not done that in the past. And a little mm-hmm. smile creeps up onto my face where I think, okay, I like the new me. Yes. Well, yes. It's just, it's just, it's life is good, guys. So you've got, oh, you've got so many opportunities to change. Uh, and if we just actually, if you just think for a moment, who I am now and who do I want to be? And maybe why do I want to be? I mean, that's maybe something that we have not, not so focused upon, but what I just want to add in there, what is your why? Why? Do you want to change? <laughs> yes, you can you change? Yeah, there's always good questions, but why? Why do you want to change? And it's a good question to ask, you know, like Victor Frankl uh, in his Man's Search for Meaning, which I, I highly yeah. recommend people reading, you know, a wonderful book. He's the father of, or grandfather, I guess, of logotherapy, which is this whole idea of yeah. getting clarity on your life's path, you know, yeah. your purpose, your, 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 really the, the meaning for your own life. Yeah. Because, and that's the funny thing, right? Like when we ask the question, what's the meaning of life? It's, it's rather a funny question to ask because for every single person, it could be a completely different answer, yeah. but it would be the right answer for them. Yeah. You know, it's whatever we give or define the meaning in our own life. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, when he paraphrases Nietzsche, who said, you know, with a strong enough why, we can endure anyhow. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's true, right? When we think about it, when we feel super connected to the things we're doing in the life that we're living, yeah. we just do. We do, we do, we do, you know, and, and there's far less resistance in the doing than the living. And, and so that step, you're absolutely right, Stefan. You know, that is a step that can't be glanced over, but it's actually probably the step that needs the most time. But yeah. I find that for anybody just getting started, especially for myself, like I couldn't have answered that initially when I first gave up alcohol. Like I could, it was too intimidating to be fair. It was too intimidating. And so I just needed to start. And that's why I I do love the 12 step program for the stand. It's one day at a time, right? Like it is, it's just that it's one day at a time. It's like, keep it super simple. Look at doing one little positive thing for yourself every day, but that grows, right? It grows from there. You know, it's like people with health changes. I'm like, get outside and walk for half an hour a day. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's it. That's all I want you to, They're like, that's all I got to do. I'm like, that's the least that you deserve for yourself. Um, you know, because if you don't prioritize your own physical health, your mental health, no one's going to do it for you. Like, I, and Now, mind you, though, if there's anybody listening to this and you have a job or a career that will pay me to look after myself, I'm available. Okay. Like <laughs> you can hire me, but I haven't seen one of those yet. Right. Like, and, and so we have to take ownership of our own physical and mental and, and emotional health and spiritual health. And that is, is tough, right? Because if we haven't been role model, we don't know how to do that. It, it can seem like an intimidating prospect because it does involve a lot of change, but start with one thing, just one thing. You know, and I always tell people, like, just are you drinking at least three liters of water a day? And if they tell me no, I'm like, great, there's one little change you can start with right now. And I know by doing that one little thing, you're going to feel a lot better within one week. Within a week, you're going to feel amazing. It's true. One week. And then what happens? They mess with me. They go, oh, I am feeling a lot better. What else can I do? I'm like, oh, well, no, why don't you walk half an hour a day? Really? Okay. Okay. I'll try that. Because our belief goes up. As soon as we start to see a little bit of change, It just, it reaffirms that, wow, I can change. 
And we, we, we do, we, we often feel like we're, we're victims, right? We feel like we can't win. <laughs> we feel like we're never gonna change, like we can't change. We have all these labels we give to ourselves and they are limiting. And, and I'm here about like, no, just rewire it, man, rewrite it. Like just, just find one area, start to see some changes so you can convince yourself, man, I was wrong about myself. I can change, you know? Like, <laughs> and that is the easiest place to begin. Yeah. Just, so just get started. Just get so, started. Absolutely. You know, like, oh. Oh. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun. You're an amazing man. Uh, Di, if, if, if people gel with you, with your energy and with your, with your approach to, to change and approach to life, um, how can they find you? Tell us a bit more oh. about where, where shall I oh, send us? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a website. I've been blogging for, gosh, like 14 years. 14 years. Can you believe that? Like 14, no more than that. Almost 15 years now I've been blogging. So my website's just my name, diamondwell.com. Um, new website goes live uh, end of July, 2022. So depending on when this airs, uh, it may be up and it may not be, but either way, I've got a new site coming, which will be much easier to navigate, but there's over 1500 articles I've published and it's all geared to helping people live their best and healthiest version of themselves. And so all that information is there. I always say dive in there. And if you wanna have a conversation, because I love talking, I love talking to people. I like learning about people because uh, I love it. If people send me a message and say, hey, I heard you and stuff, I'm talking. Here's my change I'm navigating this year. That's great. That's a great way to start a combo. And I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And so if you can type my name and spell it, you'll find me. Like that's how easy I am to find because it's such a unique name. Just remember, Die is D-A-I. If you get that, you'll find me. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video or of the podcast because you will find all the links uh, to Die there. Uh, Die, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your effort. Thank you for showing up. And I think 80% of, of success is showing up. That is... We forget that sometimes. We we always think, oh my God, I need to be 100%. No, you need to make one small step and then another step. And very soon you will learn about uh, compound interest uh, <laughs> where little changes build upon changes, build upon changes. And by the time you've blinked and you look back on your path and think, whoa, have I climbed this far? Wow. <laughs> and you think, yes, you have. That's and right. then the cool thing is you look up there and say, shit, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of room still that's to right. cover. <laughs> and that's great. Yeah. That's I'm great. I'm at base camp one right now. That's, that's what right. it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And totally. But, but this, this mountain is a mean mountain because it keeps growing and keeps changing. Yeah. The path keeps meandering. So you never know what is around the corner. But right. what you're doing is on your new path, as you're climbing, you're getting stronger in your climbing. You're learning new skills as you climb. So if there's suddenly you turn around a corner and there's a new challenge, Maybe, just maybe, you have now equipped yourself with a better better set of skills. Uh, this could be very real skills, or it could be a new way of thinking that sets you up to navigate that new challenge in a different way and maybe a nicer way so that the challenge won't be as painful as it maybe otherwise would have been. How cool is that? 
So guys, cool. come on that path, come on that climb. Uh, it's Di and I are on there. We're probably a little bit ahead of you, but only just, just a little bit, okay? So, and we are still figuring things out, but yeah. find a tribe, guys. Find a tribe that you can chill with and that 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 you can be part of with and can be can be open, can be vulnerable with and say, I don't know how to do that. That's the most powerful thing you can say in your life. If you're a man, then you need to learn how to say, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Because that means that you're asking for help. You're asking for guidance and you're ready to grow. That is what a man does. Not the kind of, I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, guys. The vulnerability is part of being you. And vulnerable just means, hey, I don't know how to do it. Can you teach me? Wow, your life begins to change the moment you begin to do that. So, guys, go out there, live with passion, die. You, man, keep going, keep going with the beautiful work that you are doing. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. Bye.